When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, before we get this episode started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash positivelytrek, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, and Dave Garcia. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to help keep Positively Trek coming to you each week, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can help out the show, and at any level, you will receive perks such as early access and exclusive bonus content. Thank you all so much for listening. And with that, let's get on with the show. Dan, did you get my card in the mail? My holiday card for Star Trek Day? <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. Darn postal service. It's oh, been slow, it's, but Yeah, during the holidays it always gets slow. Things are always delayed cuz that means such a big holiday. 55 years of Star Trek. Yeah, definitely. I love that Hallmark has, you know, specific cards for Star Trek Day. Man, I wish. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yeah, and I hope my gift comes through. I mean, I'm a little worried that it might explode because of heat in the summer heat. I might as well tell you what it is. I got you some data bubble bath, and I thought maybe you'd <laughs> like to use that. Ah, uh, that's awesome. I love it. I, I will absolutely use that. <laughs> Well, welcome everyone to the Positively Trek podcast. I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther, and we are so excited to talk to you about Star Trek Day. There were so many reveals that we've got a lot to cover. So, Dan, I think I saw that you were watching it live like I was. I was watching it live. I connected my computer up to the big screen in the living room and watched it live with my wife, Nikki. We watched the whole thing. It was a great experience. I also watched it on the big screen in my living room, which I hardly ever get to use because somebody in the house always has something, but I claimed it. When everybody got home from school or work, I said, I want the TV tonight. And everyone was like, okay, that's fine. And so I watched it through my Roku from the YouTube app. So nice. that was that was nice. And, and I just sat there for whatever it was, three hours, four, almost four hours. It was quite a while, yeah. <laughs> and it didn't quite start on time either. You know, there was, they did like a red carpet event and that sort of thing, which I didn't even know about. Like when I tuned in, I was like, oh, if mm -hmm. this has been going on for a while, I would have had it on. But I, I missed some of that. Yeah, I did the same. I tuned in and was like, oh, they're already talking to people. And so, yeah, I would have absolutely tuned in earlier as well if I'd have known. Well, I think all these are on on YouTube to go back and rewatch. I don't know if the red carpet is, but it might be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. 
So let's go ahead and get right into it. So we had, again, almost nearly four hours of things happening. And so we had everything from an orchestra called the Star Trek Day Orchestra, conducted by Jeff Russo, who wrote the music to Discovery and Picard. And we had our hosts for the event, Will Wheaton and Mika Burton, uh, LeVar Burton's daughter. So it was great to see them again. And this is the first time we've seen them together live like that. So that was fun. Mm-hmm. Will, Will's not in his little studio home there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I just want to say before I forget to mention this as just one of my all-time favorite moments from the whole thing, it was towards the end uh, when LeVar Burton took the stage and Mika Burton had, of course, introduced him and brought him on. And there's this moment where Mika is walking off the stage and LeVar is there and LeVar just turns and watches his daughter walk off the stage. And he just does this thing where he like clutches his heart and he's just like the proud dad. I was so moved by that. And I was because right before he had he had done that, I, I said to Nikki, I was like, I bet you he's so proud of his daughter doing this and stuff. And then he did that. And it was just such a moving moment. I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that in case I forget later, because that was such a small thing, but just like, I felt that that was so cool. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I wouldn't mind going back and seeing that again. Yeah. It was really sweet. You could tell he's a little choked up. (laughs) I kept thinking, is he going thinking, I still hope I get jeopardy. I still hope I get jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) And I was kind of hoping somebody would call him out. And, you know, guest host of Jeopardy, LeVar Burton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, okay, let's go right into this. So one of the first things that occurred early on was Will Wheaton interviewed Alex Kurtzman remotely. And the thing that stood out to me besides Alex saying the importance of Star Trek and what it means in today's world, all things we've heard him say before, I'm not discounting it i'm just trying to fast forward to something here but he mentions you know like new star trek things coming out like you know starfleet academy it was just so casually mentioned the starfleet academy as if we've all kind of known about it which in a way we have we've heard Mm -hmm. about this years ago but then we've stopped hearing about it so is this the star trek series that has secretly been going on behind the scenes in the planning stages that sounds like we're now going to get this it could be, yeah. This was mentioned as one that we're, we're actively working on a f- few years ago. And as Alex Kurtzman says, they're in no hurry right now to bring out more new stuff. And he's gone on record as saying, like, when one of the five that are currently being produced ends its run, then they'll introduce the next one. So, yeah, we've known for a while that this was in the works. So it's nice to hear that it's still being considered and still on the docket. Uh, so yeah, it was a nice little reconfirmation, I guess. I just kept wondering what the conversation was before they went on air where he's like, you know what? I want to, I want to mention Starfleet Academy. I want people to know that this is still being in, in the planning stages. At least it's still in our thoughts, but yeah, I, I'll avoid mentioning anything about section 31. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it was that, thought out or if it was just his off the cuff in the moment i'm not i don't know that's a good question well you know i'm still not counting on starfleet academy because until 
as you know, my rule is until they say action on the set, I don't really believe anything is going to happen because anything could change. I've been hearing about Starfleet Academy since, you know, at least the early 90s, if yep. not earlier than that. <laughs> yeah, so, that was a Nick Meyer idea for Star Trek Six. Yeah. At, you know, at the time. Yeah. So, yeah. One day, one day we'll get Starfleet Academy outside of the novels and comics. <laughs> That'll be pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. So the event kicked off with the orchestra and they played a selection of tunes. I didn't make notes of what all they play. I know they played different things. I just don't remember the order. I do remember like the Kelvin timeline from the movies music being played. Yeah. Uh, I remember point. the first one and I love that they kicked it off with this was the, the theme from Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan. And I yes. was like, interesting choice. That's great. I love that. That's one of my favorite pieces of music. James Horner. Ah, oh, beautiful. Oh, it's so funny. You mentioned that because I am watching for the umpteenth million time, the wrath of Khan and watching it in bits and pieces when I can and watching it with the director's commentary. Oh, which nice. I've listened to before, but I just been like, so yeah, that music's been on my mind the last few days because I've been watching that. So that, mm. that movie really still holds up. It's so good. <laughs> Let's go watch it now. <laughs> and we're back from watching Star Trek II: the wrath of Khan. Oh my gosh. It was so good. Oh, so great. Oh uh, my gosh. I have to watch Star Trek heart, I stab at thee. Okay, <laughs> keeping on Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, I thought about this the other day. I've never mentioned this to you, but when I saw that movie as a kid, I was not a big Star Trek fan. So I hadn't, I hadn't seen many of the TOS episodes. I had no idea that that was based on an episode of Star Trek. Hmm. It wasn't until after the movie came out and after I saw it a few times, I heard it was based. I was like, wait, there's an episode of the original series with Khan in it? Seriously? And I watched it and I'm like, well, that was boring. <laughs> <laughs> that that might have been the case for me as well. Not the boring part, but the I think I might have seen Wrath of Khan before the original series episode. Yeah. I think that it was so long ago. I was pretty young, but I that might have been the case for me. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say boring. I mean, maybe I did think it was. I just remember thinking it didn't feel like the Wrath of Khan, right? It didn't feel mm -hmm. quite the same, you know, because it's not this big cinematic battles and all that stuff. But anyway, that's beside the point. Let's go to what is new, and that is Star Trek Prodigy. We got a trailer. Hope. There's no purpose here. How did a ship get inside here? The more important question, how do we get it out? Join us. You always wanted to see the stars. On behalf of Starfleet, welcome aboard. Uh, what is that? Have you ever even flown a ship before? No. Does it show? Ah! Disabling gravity. Okay. We get to go there and explore. This ought to be good. It appears we are fighting now. No one shall escape. Get me my ship. There goes our exit. We're so dead! 
by its pew 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 button. I don't see a pew 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 button. Just hit them all until it goes pew pew. I've seen my share of wayward crews, and I can tell you this, you've got potential. So Dan, I know that you've probably got several thoughts about this trailer, and I'm just dying to hear what you have to say. Oh man, so first of all, it's beautiful. I love the animation. I love the design. I love the glimpses we get of the Protostar's bridge, uh, the shots of the crashed USS Protostar, and the characters. Oh, my God. Okay, Rock Talk is going to be a favorite, I can tell. That little girl's voice coming out of this big hulking rock monster. Yeah. I love that. Uh, what else? Oh, man. Um, D. Bradley Baker as uh, Murph and his little vocalizations. That was so much fun. And yeah. of course, seeing and hearing Janeway in the show. That was pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely on board for this show. Uh, the pew pew button, all of this stuff. I love that trailer. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I think one thing it confirmed to me that even the characters, the species that are from the Alpha Quadrant are in the Delta Quadrant, because they're finding the ship with the main characters of this. So it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, they go and they pick them up along their their trek. No pun mm. intended. Yes, no pun intended. But uh, so I found that to be interesting. So I'd, I'm really curious to know how they end up in the Delta Quadrant to begin with. So that's the one thing that I questioned while watching this. But yeah, the ship looks beautiful. I'm not even... I almost was about to say that I think this might be one of my favorite ships. I still need to see more of it, but it's a nice design. It's pretty cool. I do love from the opening trailer or the opening credit sequence, I guess, when it goes into like that super secret fast warp, whatever it is. I don't know where the the two main engines fold down and then the third one comes out of the back end and it just rockets off. This is a cool design. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it in action for sure. And yeah, that bridge looks gorgeous too. It does. And then we also got to see our villain. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this. Uh, our villain, we get to hear him and see him right at the very end of the trailer. That was pretty cool. And I'm trying to remember his name. <laughs> so the villain, the villain's name is Diviner. The Diviner, That's I guess. The Diviner, Yes. And of course, Gwen's father. Yeah. And of course he's played by John Noble, which I'm really excited about. I'm a big fan of John Noble and he's definitely doing that really big villain voice in the trailer, which is, that's pretty cool. And we saw a Kazon. I mean, really quick, like not even like maybe a half second. I was going to bring that up. Yeah, we definitely see a Kazon in the trailer, kind of reconfirming the Delta Quadrant thing, I guess. So that's interesting. First Kazon we've seen on screen, not counting Boimler, I guess, at the end of his <laughs> right. Tom Paris episode. Uh, first Kazon we've seen on screen in quite a while. Oh, I guess we did see them in, in the season seven Voyager episode Shattered. But uh, anyway, sorry. But it's been a while. off track there. It's been a while for sure. So, Dan, I'm sorry, but as you're talking, I'm watching the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, for things to pay. Oh, and the thing I really want to mention, which I just saw at the end of the trailer just now, October 28th. We have a date. Yes. 
we do have a date, uh, not quite in time for our respective birthdays, but still a nice belated birthday gift for us, I think. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. End of October, right before Halloween, we get Prodigy. I haven't done any calculations on this, and I'm curious to know if you have, but is that coming one week after the end of Lower Decks? There's a week off, I believe. I've seen people. I haven't looked for sure for myself, but there's there's we get one week off between Lower Decks and Prodigy is what I've seen. Okay. I could probably use a week off just to kind of like you know, calm down from all the excitement of Lower Decks and build up my excitement into Prodigy. <laughs> like, yeah, mm-hmm. bring it on. So we do know that what we saw on IMDb a few weeks ago, I mentioned on one of the shows, I think, that you weren't on, but I mentioned that it wasn't anything that was official because I think that date was the 21st. On, yeah, we now know so. that that's, that was wrong. So yeah. we did call that out, that that was probably not the official date. Yeah, so that was a good guess. I think they were thinking like, oh, when Lower Decks is done, it's going to be the exact next week, but they didn't take into account the week off. So it was a good guess. Good effort by whoever edited IMDb there, but just just off by a week. Well, what I like about doing this podcast with you, Dan, is that we review every Star Trek episode, every new one that comes out as its own dedicated episode, which is nice because we only have to do one a week until we get to November. Because now, (laughs) Star Trek Discovery Season 4 premieres on November 18th, just a few weeks after Prodigy does. Uh. So we're going to have now an overlap of two new episodes of Star Trek every week for, you know, a month or so for a good period of time. Yeah, that's, um, hmm. We're going to have to go into overtime on our, our episodes there, I guess. So... But we'll definitely cover both episodes the same weeks they come out of both Discovery and Prodigy. But man, yeah, Discovery, we have a date. I'm so thrilled. I really thought it was going to be late in December. So I'm pleased to see it's mid-November. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So uh, we also got a tentative roundabout date for season two of Picard, which I'm excited about. Yeah, not an exact date, but to say February of 22, that yeah. I'll take it. That's that's good enough for me. Definitely. So, it's looking like it's going to be Prodigy, Discovery, then Picard, which was my guess, right? Because we've gotten what, three trailers now for Picard counting Star Trek Day and still just one sort of trailer for Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, starting to think that maybe we'd get Strange New Worlds before Picard, I think I said. I can never remember Mm. what I said, but I think I did that because Picard just wrapped up season two production where Strange New Worlds wrapped up before that. But anyway, I'm I'm fine. Of course, I don't care what order, (laughs) really. I'm just so thrilled about Picard because, I don't know, this trailer has really got me hyped. I mean, the others did uh, yeah. too, but this one really, I'm like, this this to me looks more interesting than season one. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about Picard. I think uh, there's so many elements going into it. Of course, we've got Q, we've supposedly got Guinan, we've got time travel back to the 21st century and the Borg Queen figuring into that and all of this stuff. This trailer looks so good. I'm very excited. 
Yeah, it's got the whole timey-wimey thing going on. Picard mentions that Q changed something in the past, and it sounds like they have to fix this timeline. They've got a certain amount of time to do this, or it becomes permanent, and it does not look like the Federation, nor does it even look like the Mirror Universe. It looks like something in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely not the Mirror Universe. They they do call out that something was changed, I think, obviously, in the 21st century that led to the the timeline, which I find more interesting. I think it's kind of cool. Like the, the mirror universe is just a totally different universe where back into antiquity, things have been different. Right. But this one is, I think they're, they seem to be exploring like, where would we go from today that would lead to that totalitarian government that we see? And what can we do today to change that, to fix that, to put us on the right path. And I'm like, how more Star Trek can you get? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Tell this story. I love it. (laughs) Absolutely. And then there's the part of me that hopes that the authors of the Coda books were given clues about this season, that they even somehow refer to this in those books somehow, some way. Hmm. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And then did you notice the portrait that Picard sees of himself in that uniform? Yeah, kind of a Wrath of Khan-esque, yes. sort of, but with black, you know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. I thought that was really cool. That really stood out to me. And of course, like you mentioned, the Borg Queen, we got a quick glimpse of her. That was cool. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we've got the scenes in the 21st century, which look fun. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. My favorite line from the whole trailer has to be Picard, Q, I'm getting far too old for your bullshit. And then the snap and cutting him off. (laughs) (laughs) I had to replay that a couple of times. I'm like, wait, does he say bullshit? You know, because it gets cut off. I'm like, is that what he's saying? You know, lower decks, they bleep and these, they don't. (laughs) Yeah. They just cut him off with a snap. I first saw you as a man who chose the stars. But after all this time, I've come to wonder, have you been seeking or running? Do you recall what I said, Jean-Luc, when last we parted ways? The trial never ends. Q, I am way too old for your bullshit. Guys, we got big problems. Something moved us. Key went back in time and turned our world into a totalitarian nightmare. Do you understand what this means? Time has been broken. I will get us home together. The only way to heal our future is to go back and repair the past. There are ways of traveling in time. Now what? Welcome to the Earth of the 21st century. You're saying we can undo this nightmare? Let's go to work. You can pilot a starship, but you can't drive. You two really need to work on your communication. See, there you go. Now you're in sync. We have three days before the future. 
has changed irrevocably. But even in the darkest of circumstances, there is a light. Where are you taking us? Home. Yeah, I think this is going to be intense and at the same time fun. I think Mm -hmm. the 21st century chases and dealing with our time, you know, will be kind of reminiscent of Star Trek four in a sense. And, uh, and then, you know, the dark changes that have happened to the timeline. I, yeah, this whole thing looks really interesting to me. It feels like you said, it's very Star Trek. Yeah. I am. I'm very excited to see what the, the kind of messaging is. I, you know, there, there's, definitely that idea of like like i said yeah what can we do today to change history to keep us from becoming what we see there so yeah very star trek yes and we'll be covering it here on the show oh i'm excited you know we started our show a little late last year to to cover episodes of Picard. We talked about a couple of them in our first few episodes because there was just the trail end of season one, but I'm excited to do dedicated Star Trek Picard review shows, which we have not done. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Because the first one we did was Lower Decks season one. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well, speaking of Lower Decks, let's just go to that real quick because we did get a mid-season trailer which was nice because you know we're in the middle of the season and they gave us a little bonus stuff of what we're going to see for the rest of the season and i don't know any big takeaways for you on this one uh there were some things that i really enjoyed there's did you catch the refit constitution class ship it was there for just a second yeah and then blew up i'm like what's that about i wonder i'm i'm thinking afterwards after seeing that that maybe it's another mariner holodeck movie thing because we also see rutherford in like the star trek 2 radiation suit and i'm wondering if that's related somehow there that looked interesting it's funny you said about rutherford in the radiation suit because as i was mentioned earlier i've been watching star trek 2 bits and pieces of it throughout the week and i saw scotty in that suit just last night and i was like rutherford was wearing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i wonder too if we see that constitution class starship like a holodeck thing or you know simulation of some sort i was wondering that myself Mm -hmm. because it would seem out of place in this time yeah for sure uh we also see a uh i think what's the the race of the person from the animated series bem yeah a pend pendronian i think they're called and uh in that episode of course the his head and and all that stuff comes apart and we see that in the trailer there's a member of that species on the bridge <laughs> yes i yeah we've seen that in a previous trailer and now we're seeing more so that was that's cool i i <laughs> i think i'm gonna crack up at that you know <laughs> the head and the torso just separate and flying around the ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's another thing that I thought was funny when you see these historical figures running down a corridor and two of them are dressed like Troy and Crusher in their workout uniforms when they're oh. doing their stretches, their aerobics and stuff. I it's- didn't catch that. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. 
Uh, I do like that the the ballroom dancing competition is that it G- yes. gets canceled or postponed and yeah, there's stuff like that even on the California class, not just the big galaxy class ships. That's good to see. Yeah, and then we also see the mirror universe. Did you catch that? Yeah, I saw Shaxx fighting. Was it Mariner? I think, yes. and they're both wearing mirror universe TOS mirror universe outfits which is interesting, which again makes me wonder if it's like a Mariner holodeck movie thing again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And we also get Borg. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting too. Yeah. We yeah. keep throwing back to holodecks. <laughs> and I think we see the return of William Boimler. It looks like, cause there's kind of a cooler Boimler at one point. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Okay. I'll have to go back. I, th- and I watch think it's it. William. That's my guess. Okay. I'm sure I would, I was kind of expecting we'll see some return of him. Right. So maybe, yeah, it, it probably is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. So, yep. We're not that far away. We just got to wait till next week. <laughs> well, by the time <laughs> everybody's listening to this episode, it's just a couple days. Yeah. There you go. Attention all hands report to your commanding officers. We have to work together. Look alive people. Our lives will be on the line, but we are starfleet and we, Never back down from a challenge. Oh, and the ballroom dancing competition will have to be postponed. Ah, nothing ruins breakfast like a work assignment. I smell adventure. (sighs) Every ship in the fleet depends on officers like us to do those million little things that keep the ship going. Ah, freaking radiation! Collecting weird spacecraft is part of the fun of Starfleet. Brace for impact! It's just a fracture. Just? Oh, God, I can't even look at it. I got blown up. (laughs) That's Starfleet. I think we're in trouble. (laughs) This is not good. You will be assimilated. Can't have that. Phaser rifle, nice. Now, how are those different from regular phasers? Uh, they take two hands. Okay, so what do we want to talk about next? Do we want to talk about Strange New Worlds, or do we want to talk about the 4K remaster of the motion picture? Well, I, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> That's a tough one. I, I'm going to be honest. I might have been just about as excited about both. <laughs> like I was pretty excited to see that little taste of the 4K remaster. Okay, let's talk screen. about that since you're just mentioning it. I mean, I'm excited about the two. I will say I'm a little more excited about Strange New Worlds, but yes, okay. When it comes down to it, probably me too. But I was squeeing at this part as well. <laughs> yeah, because we see the Enterprise going into V'ger and they show us more of like a very foggy dark look you can't really see the enterprise all that well and then it transitions to how it's real crisp and clear and you can really see her flying through it looks gorgeous Mm -hmm. i'm yeah it looks absolutely beautiful i love the difference between the standard def and this this remaster it looks incredible my question is they're so they're they're releasing it on paramount plus I'm wondering how soon after we might get that on Blu-ray or something or a 4K DVD or something like that, because I, uh, I, I really want to see this. 
I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I remember when they said, oh, be on Paramount Plus, the first thing that popped to my mind was, I hope Dan can see this. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, not just you, but anybody outside of the States, you know, that doesn't have the U.S. version of Paramount Plus. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be on the international versions of Paramount Plus or pop up somewhere else like on Crave or Netflix or whatever. Uh, but to your point... I would think they would release a disc of this. I would assume so at some point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'm just thrilled that not only are they doing this, but it is the director's cut. That's the important thing to me, too. That's my favorite mm-hmm. version. Absolutely. Yeah. With the updated effects and the the cuts and the additions that they made. I'm really, yeah, excited to see. That is the definitive version, I think, of the motion picture. And then I think I'll really squeal if I notice they corrected the colors at the very end on the arm badges on the arm, <laughs> the sleeves of uh, Spock and McCoy, if they fix those colors on there, because they revert the colors and on their jackets. If I they hope fix they that. don't. That's one of my favorite little things to <laughs> point out. I love that. <laughs> yeah. but Where we'll would see. we be without continuity errors? I mean, come on. That's half the fun of this fandom. <laughs> that is true. That is so true. Well, I mean, Strange New Worlds, that's the next thing. I don't know if we really need to talk about that one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That one, I think, got me the most excited. Oh, my goodness. I am so excited. I have so many questions. I have so many thoughts. Ah, I don't. My God. Okay. Do it. Do it. I want to know what your questions and thoughts are. Okay. Well, thoughts, I guess, first of all. The uniforms. I love that they changed the uniforms. The collars are not okay. The, I thought the TOS style uniforms they did in discovery looked good. They looked sharp, but when it comes down to it, they were really just like a copy of the discovery uniforms with switched colors and stuff. And that collar just never really quite fit. It seemed kind of weird with that. I love that they've done this and made it more of a monochrome color to kind of evoke the ideas of the cage uniforms and stuff but with you know there's a black undershirt and stuff but somebody pointed out and i hadn't noticed this the shoulders of pike's uniform i thought were little starfleet deltas like the discovery uniforms down the side but somebody zoomed in and looked closely at them and they're actually the little command stars from the middle of the the insignia which i'm like that's really cool (laughs) yeah no, I like these. I I agree with you about the collars from the Discovery uniforms. It's not so much that I don't like them, but to me, it makes a uniform look a little more formal and not as relaxed. And mm-hmm. by removing those collars and switching to these others that don't come up the neck makes the uniform to me look a little more relaxed. Like that's something you could wear on a daily basis. This yeah. is coming from someone who doesn't like to wear shirts with collars that have to button the top and put a tie on. I feel yeah. like I'm always choking. <laughs> me too. Me too. Absolutely. And that's one thing the uniforms in TOS and in the cage and where no man has gone before is they felt comfy. They felt, you know, looser. And these definitely look that way. And there's a few different variants of them too. We see uh, number one wearing a slightly different version as well. Yeah. It's almost more like a jacket. Mm-hmm in a sense. So I I was thinking how, when it comes to the TOS uniforms, we've seen so many different versions. Now this is like the one 
era of Star Trek where we get different versions of the same uniform because you look at the original series and then you look at what was done in the J.J. Abrams movies and then what was done in Beyond. They even changed it in that. Then what we'd got in Discovery and now we change it here in Strange New Worlds. It's like <laughs> we can't keep our you know uniforms straight during this time. But I, I've enjoyed all of them. Yeah, I'm excited. And, and I mean, that's even just more stuff for cosplayers to play around with. So that's exciting too. So what did you think of Spock's look? Perfect. Loved it. Because that's one thing is Spock had the kind of more messier hair in the cage and stuff. And they, they went with that. And also he's got the pointy sideburns now, which match. I didn't like so much when we see him shaven and stuff in Discovery. He had these big kind of square sideburns that just never matched anything we've seen Spock before. So they've really refined his look here. I think he looks much better and really keeping in line with where he is at this point in the timeline. So, yeah, when I saw him, I was like, oh, he looks a little different. The ears look a little more curved and pointy, just a different style. But, yeah, I think they're going for what they had in the cage. And then, yeah, the hair. And at first I was like, okay, that's different hair. But then again, okay, that fits more with what we saw in the cage. And then I saw Ethan Peck as Spock. Uh, Well, of course, I saw him as Spock in Discovery. But, you know, after I saw this image, I saw an image of him from Discovery. And I thought, oh, you know what? I kind of like this hair the way it is in Strange New Worlds on Ethan Peck better than the straight hair on Mm -hmm. him. I think this looks better for his face, for his features. Yeah, a little more natural, a little more, yeah, I, I like it. It feels more subtle. Like, yeah. how do I put this? Like, And I'm not meaning this to sound like I'm coming down on it or anything, but like you could kind of look at his look in Discovery and feel like somebody is cosplaying as Spock a little bit using the kind of like stereotypical ideas of what Spock looked like, perfectly straight hair and blah, blah, blah. Whereas this feels more like maybe he's inhabiting the character a little bit more rather than just like being made up to look like him. And again, I loved his portrayal of as Spock in Discovery. I'm not faulting that whatsoever, but I do like these refinements to the look. I think it really adds to the believability of the character. I, I agree with what you said. I, and I know it's it's hard to explain what you're trying to say, but I totally get what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah, I just feel like this look, like you said, it looks more relaxed. It looks more natural on this actor as opposed to what he looked like in Discovery. Not that he didn't look good, but it this looks more natural. Or that in Discovery looked more like, yeah, he, they're trying to make him look like Spock, where here it looks like him. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, I don't know. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, no, I, I totally get it. Okay, so let's talk about number one, because for the longest time, we've never had a name for number one. And, you know, I was hoping that in the series or even when we saw in Discovery, we would get a name. And we did. We got the name Una. And that came from the novels, from the Legacy trilogy that we got a few years ago. So I like that because it pulled from the novels. I thought that was pretty cool. And it's kind of a homage to Una McCormick, Star Trek author. But now we get a last name, Chin Riley. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if I was ever thinking that we'll get a last name. I just thought that number one would just be a single name person because in the novels, they only refer to her as Una. So now we have Chin Riley. And now I'm just curious, like, 
I, I don't know. There's, I don't know if there's anything to read into that, but I'm just like, where does that name come from? <laughs> Was yeah. she married or something? And that's why we have a hyphen. I, I don't know. Could be. Yeah. No, I, I like it. I'm, I'm curious to learn more about her backstory. I think in the little preview video we got, Rebecca Romaine said something along the lines of like her background is crazier and you know, more out more wild than you think it is or something like that. So I'm wondering about her background. I've seen some people saying like, Oh, she must have like Chinese in her background or some sort of connection that way. And it's possible with the last name chin. That's something I've been noticing star Trek does every once in a while though, is they take someone and give them a last name or some aspect of their name that isn't immediately apparent in their looks and that kind of thing. I think um, Philippa Georgiou's last name, for example, Georgiou being kind of a Greek origin last name. Interesting story where that might have come from kind of thing, given her ethnic background. So I think that that's interesting. I like that hundreds of years in the future, there would be more of a just kind of crossing of different cultures and that kind of thing. So I think that's kind of representative a bit of Star Trek's future as well. Do you think there's a relation to Lieutenant Riley from TOS? Hmm. I never thought of that, but it's possible. I just think it's odd that they would go with a Riley name when in TOS we had a Riley. And of course, that doesn't mean anything. It could, yeah. There's no connect. It doesn't mean there has to be any connection. But, it's, you know, as you're creating a name for a character and you bring up Riley and go, well, we had a Riley in TOS and it's like, yeah, let's stick with it. Or, oh, no, let's use that because we connect connect the characters in some manner. Yeah, it's happened before, too. I mean, I, I remember a lot of speculation about Ash Tyler having the last name of Tyler, one of uh, Pike's crew in the cage, right? Jose Tyler. So it's definitely happened before. There could be some sort of connection, but I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't either. Hi, I'm Anson Mount, and I play Captain Christopher Pike on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Pretty much every day, there's a moment where I think to myself, I'm on Star Trek. I'm Ethan Peck, and I play Mr. Spock. Coming back to the bridge of the Enterprise is thrilling, it's daunting, it's very surreal. I'm Rebecca Romaine, and I play Una, also known as Number One. The character was originated by Majel Barrett Roddenberry in the original pilot of the original series, and now we finally get to really flesh out this character, and she's way more complex than y'all know. Okay, well, I'm just going to skip ahead to, since we're talking about last names, Noonie and Singh. <laughs> yeah, La'an Noonie and Singh. Hmm. Yeah, what is up with that? Okay, this is not just a, oh, well, there's lots of Noonian Sings in the universe. There's, no, 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 no. We know they're connecting this somehow to Khan in some manner. And I have no idea why they're going this direction. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting choice. You know what's funny is when her name appeared, my first thought that went through my head for some reason wasn't Khan, but it was the fact that Gene Roddenberry always named different characters with Noonien and, and some variation of Sing or Sung because he was searching for someone. There was someone he knew from his time in the army or in the air force, I guess I should say, uh, 
that he knew that he was trying to like make a connection with and, and find again. And I was like, Oh, they've named another character like in honor of that. And then I was like, wait a minute. No, it's exactly the same as Khan Noonie and Singh's name. So yeah. What is that about? That's very strange. I know. Is she an augment? I can't imagine. I, 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 or what? I, yeah, I got so many questions. I don't even want to speculate. I just want to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting if, you know, she was like a descendant or some some relation to Khan or something. And she has to kind of uh, deal with maybe some stigma around that or something like that. I, I don't want her to be an augment. If she is interesting i guess okay we'll see what they do with that but i think it's interesting that like because she'd be a number of generations removed and it it would be like you know someone being a descendant of a notorious person in history or something i think that's there's some interesting things to explore there possibly i don't know what they're where they're intending to go with this though yeah because and then i'm thinking like where is she when Khan does appear is she still around? Does she know her distant relative is alive? And of course, that what's, that's not going to be answered in this series, but it does open a lot of questions. Like, you know, what is the motivation for giving her that last name? I'm very mm-hmm. curious to see how they play this out. But then we also get uh, Lieutenant Erica Ortega's interesting <laughs> new character. Definitely. Um, and... I'm going to jump back to her, but I'm just going to jump back to La'an again, uh-huh. because now I'm wondering in the back of my head, I think it would be absolutely hilarious. And just like a big, like kind of like, eh, whatever to Star Trek fans. If like it came up in the first episode, she's like, oh, I'm, you know, Lieutenant La'an Noonien Singh. And they're like, oh my God, any relation to, no, no relation to Khan. I, I always get asked that. It's ridiculous. It's just a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very common name. <laughs> Could be. I think uh, that would be hilarious. I don't think that's where they're going, but that would be very funny. Yes. Well, Ortegas, I mean, who is she related to anybody that we know of named Ortegas? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm really interested in this character as well. I love the look of the character. Very cool. And in any time there's kind of uh Latinx representation as well. That's yes. pretty cool. I love that that they're in the main cast as well. Very cool looking character. And I'm interested to learn all about all of these characters for sure. Yeah. Now we see Ortegas on the bridge. So I'm assuming this character is a bridge officer, but we don't know maybe security, maybe some kind of science. Well, no, not science because the uniform is red. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say security. That's my guess. Security or could be like engineering or operations, but. It has a security look to them. <laughs> no, but you're you're right. Engineering, because we we haven't seen an engineering crew member yet. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know because there's Hemmer, <laughs> who's yeah. also in red. Hemmer could be engineering for all we know. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Horak, who is a legally blind actor playing what appears to be a blind Andorian or possibly an Enar because of the white yes. uh, aspect to his skin. That's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. I didn't even realize that the actor was blind. So that's something new mm-hmm. I just learned. See, I love that. So the more that we see, like, for example, LGBT 
actors playing LGBT characters. That's awesome. And in this case, seeing somebody who's differently abled playing, you know, a blind crew member. That's cool. I love that they're hiring people to represent their themselves. You know what I mean? Like their aspect of humanity in the show. I think that's beautiful. I love that. Ah, me too. Hello, my name is Bruce Horak, and I'm thrilled to announce that I'll be playing the character of Hammer. I'm welling up with emotion as I say it. <laughs> my name is Christina Chong, and I play La'an Union Singh. I am super excited to become a part of this amazing, diverse universe. My name is Melissa Navia, and I'm super excited to announce that I will be playing Lieutenant Erica Ortegas on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Feels really good to finally be able to say that. Okay. I'm so excited about this freaking show. <laughs> okay. And my biggest squeal moment of the night watching Star Trek Day was Uhura. I mean, it's like, what? What? I used to always think, oh, they could work her character in, but they probably won't. But I wish they would. And then to see that just like floored me. Yeah. I mixed feelings a bit, but the more that I think about it, the more excited I am. So Celia Rose Gooding plays cadet Nayota Uhura. Very, very excited for this. I love the shot of her on the bridge with her earpiece in and, and just that, that Uhura look to her. That's so cool. So why do you have mixed feelings? Well, for some of the reasons that we've talked about on the podcast where, you know, I'm worried about them relying too heavily on legacy characters and that kind of thing. And like, Ooh, look who we got kind of thing. But, the character is interesting enough and got short shrift so much in Star Trek, the original series that I'm excited to see her character explored here. Like if they had somebody playing McCoy or something like that, I'd be more worried, but because it's Uhura to me, I think she deserves more exploration than she's gotten before. So I'm okay with them making that connection. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely see your point. If this was another starship and we had all these legacy Enterprise characters on this other starship, that would seem like a stretch. But because it's the same starship we saw in TOS, then I can buy that. Yeah, well, by the time Kirk takes over command, you're going to have some people on that starship who are under Pike's command. So that works for me. But yeah, if this was a different starship and they all transferred to the Enterprise, it'd be like, really? Would they all just move over? I don't know. But this works for me. And like you said, her character wasn't really focused on that much in the original series. And now we get a chance to do that. So I'm thrilled. And not only that, but we got to see a little bit of the bridge in that shot. Mm -hmm. So, and it's looking, you know, the style is very much like what we saw in Discovery, but then also has more of the traditional look of the TOS bridge. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, not just for the characters, but also, like you say, like the look of everything and how they're going to shoot this. We've seen the transporter room, for example, earlier, and the little nods to how things looked in the 60s and that sort of thing I really appreciate. So, uh, yeah, that little glimpse of the bridge, I'm so excited to see more. Yes. And then after that announcement, I was like, okay, so we're getting another legacy character and that's cool. And then nurse Christine chapel. I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you freaking kidding me? Another <laughs> one? Like, Oh my gosh. Yes. Bring it on. 
Uh, I'm really excited about this as well. Jess Bush as Nurse Christine Chapel. Another, yeah, interesting one that somebody pointed this out afterwards, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, is two of the main cast members were originally played by Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Yes. I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yes. And then somebody's going to do the computer voice, right? So that would be Majel Barrett. So we have three. <laughs> Oh my God, I didn't even think of that. That's terrific. (laughs) (laughs) But I like her white uniform. Like we've seen in Discovery, the white medical uniform. I think that looks Mm -hmm. sharp. I like that. Yeah, pretty cool. Definitely a very interesting look to her with the platinum blonde hair. And uh, I'm curious to see some of these relationships. We, of course, know uh, Christine Chappell had the big crush on Spock in the original series. I'm curious if they'll play with that a little bit. She has the friendship with Uhura, as we've seen in uh, various episodes. And like, I'm going deep cut here. I want to see like a reference to the reason she signed up with Starfleet, which was to find her fiance, Dr. Roger Corby. Oh, that's right. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Okay, so yeah, we got something to play with here. Okay, well, just when I thought it was over and all the legacy characters, I'm like, okay. And then Dr. Mabenga. I was like, what? Oh, oh my gosh. Like, are we going to just keep going and going? I'm glad they stopped at three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was going to be a little too much. But I was like, he can't be the, could he be the chief medical officer? Because he wasn't. When Kirk took command, unless he decided to leave and he briefly comes back occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm curious what his exact role will be. Uh, I mean, technically on Discovery, we never saw the chief medical officer <laughs> for the longest time. So maybe they'll just do the same thing and just like refer to them off screen somehow. But I, I'm wondering, yeah, what Dr. Mabenga's role is, if he is the chief medical officer somehow or just a staff doctor as he is in the original series. I'm not taking it as gospel, but when we watch Star Trek Day and they introduce Wilson Cruz, they refer to him as the chief medical officer of Discovery. Mm-hmm. And, and like, the ship's counselor, yes! interestingly enough. What was that? I never heard of him referred to as a counselor. So at first, when that was first introduced, I was like, oh, Will Wheaton made a little mistake there. He accidentally said blah, blah, blah. But then they talk about it in the interview and yeah. he, he talks about his role as the counselor. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Because we did kind of see him step into that role a little bit in season three, where he was talking with the captain about how the crew needs, you know, some mental health and that kind of thing. And he talks with Burnham about some issues and that sort of thing. So it makes sense. Like, I feel like he's good in that role, but it sounds like it's official in season four. Yeah, it it does. Uh, They were just so casually talking about it. Like, yeah, we all know he's the counselor. (laughs) I was like, I was like, all right on. I'm, am I missing something? I don't remember him being the counselor of the ship. I remember him, at you know, one point needing some counseling himself, but I don't remember mm-hmm. him being the official counselor and chief medical officer. And I thought, well, maybe they just mistaken that when they announced it, because we've never really been told who the chief medical officer is, but maybe we will be finding that out in season four. Well, I think he is as of season three, because really? he, yeah, I think so, because he kind of took the lead role and, and didn't stay behind with the enterprise. Right. So what about the other off? What I can't remember her name. Cause she's there in season three too. 
Yeah, she's she's a full rank lower than him, though, so I don't think oh. she would be the the chief medical officer. I never even noticed that. I just exu- I just assumed they were in the same level, and there was just we just didn't know who the chief medical officer was. So okay, I I think she's a lieutenant, and he's a lieutenant commander. I think if okay. I remember correctly. I could be wrong about that. And if I am, I'm sure someone will write in and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're probably right. Dr. Dr. Pollard, by the way, I Pollard, should say. That's it. Yes. Very good. Very good. Hi, my name is Celia Rose Gooding, and I am thrilled and honored to say that I will be playing Cadet Niyota Ukura. I am so excited to be stepping into this legacy my name is Jess Bush, and I am delighted to announce that I will be playing Nurse Christine Chapel. I feel extremely honored. I'm Babzalus Moko. I will be playing Dr. Mbenga. I'm ecstatic. Um, anything else from all these reveals? Am I forgetting anything? Uh, we did, I mean, we saw a brief glimpse, glimpse at the uh, transporter from mm-hmm. the trailer, or the teaser, I guess you should say. But... Uh, yeah, I don't have anything else except I'm so freaking excited about all of this. I'm very pumped, very excited. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do with Strange New Worlds. That's the biggest kind of unknown at this point. We know a lot more than we did, but we still haven't seen a trailer yet, like a true trailer showing stuff. I love that it's going to be more of an episode of the week type show rather than serialized that's exciting to kind of get back to that. Although we have had that a little bit with lower decks, I do have to say, but in live action, that'll be interesting to see that how they, how this group tackles that a little bit more. So uh, yeah, very excited about all of this. I, we, an embarrassment of riches that we got on Star Trek day and I'm so happy about it. And here's the great thing. This isn't the end of it. This is still kind of the infancy of this new Star Trek universe stuff that we're getting for Mm -hmm. years to come. And even though Alex Kurtzman been fired so many times, he keeps showing up to work. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, that's dedication for sure. But yeah, we keep talking about five Star Trek series in production. We've only seen 60% of them. There's still two that we have not yet even like seen an episode of yet. So yes. that's exciting to me. That is so exciting. I kept thinking about George Takei when they were announcing the legacy characters. I pictured him sitting out in the audience going, where's Sulu? Wait, well, why no Sulu? <laughs> <laughs> so, Oh, well, George, they're saving that for a captain Sulu series. Ah, yes. I did have to say, I loved that. Will Wheaton kept referring to his character as captain Sulu. Like that yes. is, I, I thought that was nice. Just a nice little bit of reverence for the character. And you could just tell Will Wheaton's like grinning when he says it, Captain Sulu, you know? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I loved also when George Takei was talking, how he said, you know, there was uh there was a Japanese character, there was a black woman character and a Russian character, and they were so important. Sulu, Uhura, and Chekhov. And then he says, and all the others as well. And I thought for sure he was gonna leave Kirk's name out. <laughs> but no, he said Kirk. He's he's like McCoy and Spock and Kirk. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and Scotty, you know, but he did say Kirk. I was like, I would yes. have been tempted to leave Kirk. <laughs> But if he I were him, like, but 
And Kirk was there, played by Chris Pine. <laughs> oh, ouch. <laughs> wow. Who would have known? Who would have known just a few years ago that we would be getting all this Star Trek and it just keeps growing and just continuing and I couldn't be more pleased. I'm having so much fun with it. I know in the sense this negatively affects what we've been getting in the novels with that continuity and more of their stories will probably be more standalone, but I, I don't care. As long as I'm getting new Star Trek somewhere, uh, like bring it on. And I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to the Coda trilogy just as much as I'm looking forward to all these shows. There's just so much. And I, I, I'm gushing. I don't even know what more to say. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I had a thought while I was watching this and you know, you see George Takei and he's on the the stage and stuff, but he's also for the rest of the panel sitting there in the audience watching this. And I was imagining this through his eyes. And he talks a little bit about how he first got the job as Sulu back in the 60s. What is he thinking watching this now and seeing a trailer for Star Trek Prodigy, seeing this introduction of Star Trek Strange New Worlds and the trailer for Star Trek Picard, like what's going through his mind 55 plus years ago when he stepped out onto that stage and took the helm and, and played his role as Sulu, you know, what that has created in the five and a half decades since what has become of that and what it has spawned. Like I, I I'd love to get a glimpse into his mind and just, see what he's thinking as he's watching particularly like the star trek prodigy trailer for me i was just like what a strange outgrowth of what he did 55 years ago how different is that now from what was then like i don't know i i'm having trouble putting this into words but i'm just really curious to see what exactly his thoughts about all of this is i had some similar thoughts like that about him being there because i thought yeah you know 55 years i mean just take that in for a moment 55 years Mm -hmm. and we're doing this four hour live event 55 years after the series premiered 55 years and we're showing five new series i mean how incredible not just in star trek but in anything television there's nothing like that I mean, think about any show that's been on for a half century and we're getting more of it like this. That's so Mm. unusual. And to your point, here's a man who was there since the beginning and seeing this just continuing on and outliving him and and how it's different formats and, and different types of storytelling within it. I mean, you could have never imagined back at that time in the 60s that this would be anything what it is today and i had similar thoughts although a little different when i was at the red carpet for the premiere of star trek discovery because as i'm sitting there in the theater there's different cast members from different series there including william shatner and we watched the first two episodes and i kept thinking william shatner is sitting here having to watch whether he wants to or not, but (laughs) having to watch this new Star Trek series that doesn't involve him or his character. And is he just amazed by this or is he even maybe put off by it? Like, Oh, I could do better. Oh, 
not as good as my series. Like there are so many things that run through my mind. Like, what is he thinking of this? You know, mm. I mean, it's in some ways I can see for someone like Shatner and maybe even some of the others that they might look at these other Star Trek series of like, you know what? We thought we were Star Trek and now we're realizing we were just a part of it. We were just the spark, you know, it can exist without us. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's like the Beatles seeing different versions of the Beatles performing on stage and they're just as popular as them. And they're like, eh, I guess we were just another Beatles, (laughs) you know, Hmm. (laughs) it's just strange, you know, it is. Yeah. And that's, yeah, maybe what I was kind of trying to pin down, like, is this is this really weird to George Takei and and others of that generation who might be watching this? I don't know. Or are they just used to it now? Yeah. When you think about all the Star Trek conventions they go to and they keep meeting all these new actors that are Star Trek actors, just like he has been for most of his life now. It's That's true. Yeah. It's got to be weird. The other thing I'll throw out there that I thought was a little disappointing to me afterwards when I thought about this, I was like, this, they did a lot for this Star Trek day. What are they going to do next year? And I'm like, they certainly can't keep doing this every year or trying to top themselves every year. But I thought, okay, so maybe 55 is kind of this benchmark year, you know? But then I thought they didn't even do anything close to this during the 50th. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how we got a celebration of Star Trek on its 55th anniversary. And we really didn't get anything on the 50th. Yeah. Well, I'm just happy for what we got this year. Like, I I think it was incredible. But this is the kind of celebration. I mean, of course, they didn't have new series to introduce. So that's, you know, what's propelling a lot of this is the Mm -hmm, promotion. For sure. But why didn't we get a live event on the 50th anniversary that was an orchestra and some Star Trek actors coming up honoring Star Trek with clips and actors speaking about Star Trek and just, you know, even if it was just an hour, we didn't even get that. So Mm. it made me realize again how a little disappointed I was with the 50th anniversary. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm trying to, I try not to focus too much on that. I I was disappointed enough back in 2016. I don't need to carry that forward to 2021. So I I was really happy with what we got with this celebration and I hope for more of this to come in the future. And like you said, I think it, it really is the new series and stuff that are propelling this forward. And I hope there's many more new ones to come and many more years of new Star Trek to come from this time forward. So I think there will be. So <laughs> we'll just keep watching. Second start of the right and straight on till morning. <laughs> well, <laughs> if people want to talk to you about Star Trek, Dan, for the next several years, where can they find you? Well, probably the best place would be on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And also on the Positively Trek discussion group on Facebook. I keep kind of pushing this. I really want people to join up there. It's so much fun to just talk about Star Trek there. Uh, Now that I'm back home after being a month away, I'm posting more in there and reading everybody's comments and stuff. So uh, that's that's my favorite place to hang out. And of course, my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kurtratz Productions. Yeah, there's a lot of great Star Trek Facebook groups out there, and there's others that aren't so great. And Mm -hmm. I will just tell you, not because I'm part of the show, but this is one of the good ones. So, yes. Agreed. So, yes, (laughs) join this group. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. You can also find me on Star Wars Report occasionally and Literary Treks occasionally for now. 
And also, you know, send us an email, positivelytrek at gmail.com. Become a patron on Patreon. Just look for Positively Trek on Patreon. And we appreciate any contributions that you send our way. We release episodes on there early sometimes. So that's a bonus. And we're, we need to come up with some more bonus material. So we'll, we'll be working on that. And also follow us on Twitter at Positively Trek. So thanks, everyone for this wonderful Star Trek day and it's going to make you want to just continue to stay positive. The cast that we were able to pull together for this, it's exactly the kind of people you would have hoped you'd end up with on a high wire walk like this. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.